What's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. I am Jeremy. And I am Pam. I, I usually I usually say my name is Pam, so I am Pam just sounds really funny. It's like I am, <laughs> it's like Sam I, I am. am Groot. I am Groot. I was thinking Sam I am. <laughs> yeah. um, there you go. Yeah. Hey, uh, Pam, it's been a while since we've done one of these. I feel like we've had a nonstop string of really awesome guests on yeah. the podcast that we kind of uh, have taken a break for a while from doing one of these, but it is time once again for another one of our album breakdowns. And it's one that I have been looking forward to for a while, uh, and that is because All I Ever Wanted, which is the album that we're going to break down today, is one of my favorite Kelly Clarkson albums. But that said, it also contains one of, if not my least favorite Kelly Clarkson song in her entire catalog. Which we're, we're going to talk about because I just think it's the most random song to hate, but we'll talk about that later because <laughs> I'm just like, yes. what? Um, we yeah, have thoughts. I adore this album. I feel like we say this every couple episodes. I feel like a lot of people love the album and a lot of people are very meh about it. I uh-huh. support it thoroughly. I love it. Um, I do. I will say it was definitely a very drastic um change from my december which probably threw a lot of people off but at the same time it wasn't like a completely new sound from her that we had never heard before but it was like a little jarring yeah we have mentioned that and i know i have said it multiple times on the podcast about how much this album was a very hard course correction as far as kelly's musical sound and her career was concerned because obviously, you know, the time between 2007 and 2009 was a really weird and tumultuous time for Kelly. You know, obviously, if you if you haven't heard our two part breakdown of the My December era, which is which includes the previous breakdown of uh, the My December album, you should go back and listen to it because there is just there's a lot that happened in that two years. And it's not even just, you know, the album and the reception of that album. You know, on one hand, you've got all the Clive Davis drama over here. You've got the management switch from the firm to starstruck. You've got the canceled tour, which was also part of the breakup of the firm and starstruck. And it's just a weird, weird era. But what we've noticed and and what I've sort of been able to piece together from the research of this particular album is that it seems like Kelly never really stopped working. You know, once she got off the road from touring My December, she went right back into the studio and started working on tracks for this album. And, and I would be willing to bet, based off of conversations that we've had with people like Jason Halbert, she was probably working on this album while she was out touring with Reba, because, you know, you have to remember that during the My December era, that's also when we got the two legs of Two Worlds, Two Voices, plus the My December tour as well. So um, this was definitely a, a big transition back towards stereotypical radio friendly pop music. And I mean, it may not be a popular opinion from some, but like I was here for it, Pam. Oh, me too. I was totally on board. I mean, I I will say that at the point I at that time I was the the fan that um, loved every single thing that she did. Kelly didn't, you know, Kelly did no wrong. I was I was that age, so anything she put out, I was like, yes, everything is perfect, everything is perfection. But in reality, you know, 
not all of her music is, you know, there are some songs of hers that aren't my favorite. And I don't feel bad saying that because I know there's songs that she's put out that aren't her, her favorite either. Um, yeah. But yes, I genuinely, I love almost like, every, there's almost no skips on this album for me. I think I have one or two skips, um, uh-huh. which is kind of a rare thing because I think even if you say that you love an album, there's usually a couple tracks that you're like, meh. Maybe I'm not feeling all the time, but this is an album I can listen to almost any song at any point. So I think that's rare. And I I just, you know, even though it was so drastic, I think it wasn't unfamiliar for people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think this was another great album in the sense that it it was very single deep. Um, you know, we got a total, I mean, if you, if you look at the entire world, we got a total of five singles off of this album, but there were only four of those that were released here in the States. And that is, I mean, by today's standards, that's, I don't know if I would call it a little unique. Uh, it's about the average, maybe pseudo unique, especially now that once we get to 2009, we are like full on into streaming being the new model like for iTunes. List- iTunes was yeah. heavy. Right, right. I mean, this is like the the really big push for iTunes. We're not quite yet to Spotify and streaming on Apple Music, but at the same time, this is really where digital music becomes huge. You know, Kelly had had some issues with My December, some of the songs leaking prior to the album's release. Same thing sort of happened here with All I Ever Wanted. Where, although instead of, I believe, instead of album tracks fully leaking, and you might have to correct me on this, Pam, because I don't remember uh, much about uh, the early part of this era. I know that a few demos leaked early before the album came out, well before the album came out. And really, I think only one of them actually ended up on the album. I think that was Ready. Yes, I remember that. Because, yeah, it was was a little bit of luck, Ready, One Day, and Close Your Eyes. And they were all like a lot like... More like country singer songwritery. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say folksy country, but yeah, they were. I mean, Ready was definitely reworked a bit for the actual album, and then obviously the other songs never really saw the light of day. But either way, I mean, this album sort of had a lot of expectations for it, um, and a lot of people. And, and you know, the thing that annoys me is that a lot of critics referred to this album as a comeback album which is ridiculous because she had just put out a record two years prior you know the case in point nowadays you know you you've started to see sort of the viral campaign and the the silent campaign for the new adele record that's coming i don't know if you guys saw what was going on but there was a lot of cities all over the world where this projection of the number 30 was being put up on you know famous landmarks and and billboards and whatnot. And it's all a, you know, a, a silent guerrilla marketing campaign for the return of Adele. Now, <clears throat> I would almost dare to say that this is a comeback album just because it's been five years since she put out an album. So yeah, she's back. Um, but I mean, comeback album after two years, I don't think I think so. people I think are that's probably saying comeback because they don't think my December really did much and it they're right yeah. it wasn't a huge commercial success so they're going back to breakaway which was like a monster you know monster hit so that's probably what yeah. people are getting at which isn't like super accurate i think it was some critics ways of slightly throwing shade at my December being like oh, okay now kelly clarkson's making a real album yeah a real pop album right 
Uh, so, I mean, eh, I don't, I don't love when I see some of these comeback comments when it comes to this album and its promotion, but I mean, look, you can't control what everybody says, so it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Pam, are we ready to, to actually dive into the nitty gritty and the nuts and bolts of this album? I am ready. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, all I ever wanted, it is Kelly Clarkson's fourth studio album. It was released overseas on March 6, 2009. And it officially released in the U.S. on Tuesday, March 10th. Now, this is the first Kelly album where we got two editions. We got a standard edition and we got a deluxe edition. And, you know, the more I think about this now through the lens of time passing and music industry knowledge, I question why. Why two different versions of an album? Why would you put out a version of the album that just has the standard tracks. And then you've got another one that has a couple of bonus songs. Why not just release one album? Well, I mean, obviously money. I was going to say, because there are people like you and I who are dumb and will buy both copies. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that is for sure. Case in point, I I purchased like three copies of the Christmas album because I have no (laughs) self-control. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, this album and and my December as well were where I was in my phase where I would go the opening morning that the album came out and I would go to Target and I would buy ten copies of the album and just give them out to people. Oh my god! Because like I was still like spreading the gospel of like this local <laughs> band that I really liked. You know, I was like, oh, you got to check out this band; they're really good. Uh, even though it was you know one of the biggest pop stars in the world. So, uh, but either way. Two copies or two different versions of the album comes out. Uh, one has, uh, there's a variant of the cover on each album. And immediately when the album art was released in January of 2009, people started getting on Kelly's case because they were like, wow, holy photoshopped. Because it really was a, a drastic change of her look from the My December era to the All I Ever Wanted era. It was kind of, again, showing that Kelly was back full pop and she looked more like how she looked during the breakaway era. She looked a little less emo. She was back looking like girl next door. And even, you know, around the same time that the album artwork came out, they released the single artwork for my life would suck without you. And she's, you know, got the lollipop. I mean, iconic photo, you know, as far as a lot of the fan base is concerned. And, she caught a lot of hell for that too because they're just like wow suggestive much <laughs> like okay it's i mean like, if you really want to sexualize and read into everything sure sure yeah i this is my by far my least favorite album cover i feel like a lot of people can probably agree with that not to assume anything but i think the regular version i don't know if i'm alone in this but like her face just doesn't look right. Like, they photoshopped it too much that it barely looks like yeah. her. The one, the deluxe version where it's, like, kind of like a side profile, that one I'm way more on board with. But the regular and one, it's, it's funny. just, like, her, like, I just doesn't look like her. And it's funny because, and I'm, and I'm showing Pam both covers right now. The funny thing is, is that I actually prefer the standard edition cover, which, you know, they put the the opposite photo on the back of the I never the realized CD, that. So. Yeah, so I actually like the, I mean, yes, I understand fully that it's uber photoshopped. I get that. And even Kelly, I think, made fun of it at one point. She's like, I don't know. I have it written down, the exact quote. You have the exact quote? What is it? She tweeted, I believe, it's very colorful and they definitely photoshopped the crap out of me, but I don't care. Ha ha. Whoever she is, she looks great. Yeah, and she does. I mean, she looks like, I, I mean, I think it looks like Kelly. 
but at the same time, I'm also very well aware that it is super photoshopped. I'm not as big a fan of the uh, of the deluxe edition. I don't care so much for the side profile picture. It just looks a little too like Sears Portrait Studio for me. <laughs> but you know, glamour shots, even you know, the whole like holding open of the coat, like yeah. I'm business. Kelly. I hate the colors. I really do. It's just really. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. love the colors. I, I love it. how just like pop saccharin like sweet sugary that this just the whole vibe like you pick up this album and you know that this is a pop album you don't even have to listen to one note on the album it just screams pop record and i love that about it i guess just because like in my own daily life i'm very much with my neutral colors so when it just like screams <laughs> orange i'm like no nah, i'm good um but anyway fun fact about this album it was originally supposed to be called masquerade Yes. And that was the title that was, you know, going around everywhere. And then they had to change it. Yeah, because the, the, the title first came out in a Wall Street Journal article in early 2009. I want to say like right around New Year's 2009, because they were talking about the albums that we're all looking forward to yeah. hearing in the new year. And, and 2009 was a huge year for female pop albums because you had Pink putting out a new album. You had Britney Spears putting out a new album. And those That's two why, artists... Yeah. Yes, those two artists factored heavily into why Kelly changed the name of the album. And actually, I even found another uh, source. It was actually from MTV. MTV claimed that Kelly was actually going to name the album Circus, which no is ultimately way. what, yeah, Britney which Spears. is ultimately what Britney named her album. And then Pink did hers as um, Funhouse, and that those were, right. I believe, like around two thousand eight ish. I think. I mean, it's 2000, yeah, 2008, 2009. Yeah, so and that's I get it. I mean, it, it. I don't blame her. It kind of it sounded like it was going to be this sort of big female pop trilogy of albums. You know, if you were to have Funhouse, Circus, and Masquerade, I mean, it does sound like sort of a, a trilogy of albums that all go together. Uh, so I understand uh, the concept of trying to sort of separate themselves a little bit from the Pink and the Britney releases, but... Uh, and, and, you know, I, I went back uh, when I was researching and I reread a lot of the Express and a lot of the Pulse music boards around the time that the album was first announced. And a lot of people were trying to decipher whether there was going to be a title track called Masquerade. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Pam, but through the, the searching that I've done, I don't think there was ever a song called Masquerade. Is that right? Not that I'm aware of. No. Okay. Yeah, I figured that maybe it was just sort some sort of, you know, random title that they came up with. Or maybe it could have very well just been like a working title that sort of leaked its way out and they were just like, oh, that was never actually supposed to be the title, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It definitely, so it was cool. It debuted at number one on the Billboard. Yes. To, uh, Billboard 200 chart, which was huge because... That's a big, that's a big ass deal, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was Kelly's second album to debut at number one. Thankful, of course, yeah. being the first one. So it was it was huge for her to come back and hit that number one album, especially again after everything that had gone on with My December. It was sort of a shut up to the critics, saying, "Hey, look, you know, she's still got pop power. She can still debut at number one." As far as what the critics thought of the album, Entertainment Weekly gave it a B plus. Rolling Stone gave it three stars and Blender Magazine, who loved Kelly, yes. uh, but, you know, R.I.P. Blender Magazine, uh, they gave it four stars. Now, even though Rolling Stone's review didn't, it kind of just gave it a middle of the road three star review, they would come back later 
and call it the eighth best album of the decade. So that would be 2000 through 2010. Really? Yeah. So not bad for what they consider to be a three-star album. Although I would probably figure that the person who wrote the review for the record was probably not the same person who had a say in the decade's yeah. best albums because they have you know a lot of different writers for the magazine. In addition to Rolling Stones sort of praise for the album entertainment weekly dubbed it and again this is where i cringe they the comeback album of the year but again don't call it a comeback copyright lo cool j it was not a comeback album it was just the next album it just happened to be out of the gates more successful than my december yes it was also nominated for a grammy casually yes it was for best pop vocal album i don't know who won though do you know who won I, I don't recall up. that no. year. So as we know, we're going to get way more into this throughout the episode. Uh, Ryan Tedder from One Republic had a lot of involvement on this album. He um, yes. produced a lot of it and wrote on a lot of it. So I found an interesting sort. It was not a direct quote, but a, a anecdote from him that I thought was a little interesting. And this is going to be a little bit of like a niche topic for possible people listening and Jeremy. Um he said that him and Kelly worked on a few songs together. This was before the the album came out. He was very excited. They had a lot of big choruses, heavy drum programming, and a lot of it was inspired by the band Garbage, which I think is very interesting because interesting. I don't necessarily hear a lot of the band. I hear like two or three songs inspired by them. So huh. ironic, Garbage Candace works for works for them as well. Yes, so that's just that's a right. Tie-in. It was just a really random anecdote I found. I just wanted to bring that up, but I don't necessarily hear. That'd be really cool, but I don't necessarily hear a lot of that. But. By the way, the best pop vocal album that year went to "The End" by the Black Eyed Peas. Boo-boo uh, Kelly cow. was nominated. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Kelly was nominated along with Colby Calais, The Fray, and Pink. Uh, so that was a tough category that's that tough. year. Yeah, that's really tough. Yeah. All right, should we get into the songs, or do you still have more? Oh my go? gosh, can we? <laughs> <laughs> My Life Would Suck Without You, the very first track on the album. It yes. was produced by the infamous Max Martin, Dr. Luke, and written dun, dun, by dun. them as well as Claude Kelly. Um, Kelly was also a writer on this. However, she refused to give herself writing credit because she did not want to be associated with Dr. Luke. Yes. So I think I think she foregoes any royalties yep, from this particular song. That's a lot song, of money. Which, yeah, I mean, talk about somebody who really doesn't care about making money off of her art and to take her name out of consideration from arguably, I would say if it's not in the A tier of her biggest songs of her career, it is definitely the top of the B tier yeah. because it is a song that is is very well known of hers and a, and a big hit for her. I mean, look, you know, this song was... A song that that reached a particular feat that later labels found out that they could sort of manufacture on their own. And that was when the song debuted on the Billboard charts. It was it debuted at number 97. The following week, it made 96 leaps into the number one spot. It made it at the time. It was the biggest leap to the top in this history of the charts. Now, this same feat would be surpassed a couple of times and later record labels kind of figured out how to manufacture this particular feat by 
essentially giving a single to one or two radio stations, maybe in you know medium to small markets, and letting them play the snot out of the song for a week, therefore, therefore giving it enough juice to get onto the chart, and then doing the impact date for everybody else the following week so that everybody else adds the song and it gets enough uh, push to put it all the way to number one. That's shady. So, because that this uh, this record, so to speak, has been broken several times since. I think even Kelly did it again at one point. I don't remember which song it was. She did it with a moment like she, this a while, like earlier. R- right, you're right. This is this is the second time she did it. Okay, yeah, but yeah, I think Britney Spears did it, um, maybe with a song from Circus or something. But there was a couple of other artists. I think like Post Malone or somebody else has done it too, but. Um, but yeah, this is not as big of a deal anymore because people have figured out how to game the system in order to do this. But it was more of a big deal before that all happened when it happened with Kelly. So yeah. props to her for yeah. that. Yeah. So we got this announcement right around New Year's um, 2009, like around New Year's like, mm-hmm. day, give or take. And everyone was just like, what? At that lollipop photo. But it wasn't necessarily <laughs> a bad thing. Everyone was just kind of just like, whoa, this is very off-brand and very different for kelly um i i loved it i actually have i remember when i got the album i actually went to kmart and bought it i don't know why but i guess they were doing some like promotional thing when you bought the album at kmart um they were giving away huge posters that have the my life with stuff without you album art on it so i have a giant picture i have a giant poster of this in my childhood bedroom it's still up it's amazing. It is the backdrop to many of our podcast recordings. If I ever go home, yep, that's where that is. Yep. Um, <laughs> I remember specifically, I don't know if anyone else does. So this actually, um, Z100 in New York are the one that premiered the song on January 13th, 2009. And in the days leading up to it, there was a 30-second clip that actually leaked on Amazon Music. And I remember playing the crap out of this. I remember somehow someone, someone was able to like download – Grant, again, this is 2009, so it was still pretty early. Yeah, Someone figured out how to download the 30-second clip and make that into like an MP3, and it circulated everywhere. And I had mm-hmm. it in my iTunes, and I would it was just the chorus and a little bit into the second verse. And I would I, I probably played it about uh, 500 times, just the 30-second clip, because I was just so excited for, to hear this song. Yeah, this was uh, – I remember the morning that it premiered on Z100, I mean, the – the Kelly fandom all knew it was happening. People were talking about it on the Express, and everyone was streaming Z100 that morning to hear uh, the song. And I think they even had her on the air at the time to to talk about it. And I got to say, you know, when I first heard the title of the song, I'm just like, ooh, that's, that's awkward. First of all, it's a mouthful. It's a long title. I don't know how memorable it is of course you know all these years later i mean it's one of the most easily rattled off songs that you can think of in her catalog but i just remember hearing and i fell in love with the song the first time i heard it i just thought that the chorus was so big and the vocal was so good and it's just such a fun like kind of kitschy slash catchy and kind of snarky song that it just again it fit the whole new pop flair that Kelly was putting out with this album and I still think it's it's one of the best first singles from one of her albums and I still to this day love hearing it I still love seeing it live I think it's so much fun 
And it's it's one of those songs that I will it'll take me a very long time before I'm officially sort of tired of it and don't want to hear it anymore. I don't know if I'm going to get hate for this. I don't not like it. I loved it when it came out. But the older I'm getting and the more stuff she's putting out, the more I'm realizing that I think it's, again, super catchy, super fun, obviously very successful. And there's a reason for that. But when it comes to the quality of her songs, I almost get a little like, I don't want to say embarrassed. That's not it. But I'm like, it's definitely just, this is one of those songs that non-fans like know the most. And I'm like, Guys, uh-huh. she has much better songs than this. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. And I mean, I know I've been on my tangent many times about how I think, generally speaking, her, the singles throughout her career have not been the best choices. And I think a lot of the album tracks could have made better singles. This is an example. I I think it's it was a great single choice. But as far as like the song substance, I'm like, it's fun, but it's not like, like great. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's fun live. It's fine. I mean, I would, but I would be fine if it ever left a set list because it's just like, I don't know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm gonna get hate for this. <laughs> I, it's alright. I mean, look, the thing, the thing about it is, is that Doctor Luke knows, d- despite what you might think of him, and I, he's a trash human being. He can, he knows how to write a good pop song. Yeah, he's smart and a very good producer. Uh, can you know produce the hell out of a good pop song, and so I, I have respect in that right. Um, you know between him and Max and Claude, I mean you know that's a, it's a really good team of pop music. Again, putting aside just the, your personal feelings for them, they can really do right by a pop song, and I I can't I can't hate on that. You know I, I'm I'm looking at this from the perspective of it just as a song. And I don't think about the the writers of it. And it's still, you know, one of my, I mean, it's easily in my top 10 of Kelly songs. Of course, that list changes on the daily. And so I'm probably thinking about it more since we researched this album. So now I'm just like, oh, yeah, there's all these all I ever wanted songs in my top 10. But uh, but that one, if any, is definitely going to stay. I was doing some research. I mean, this I probably knew like a while ago and it like escaped my head, but um, she only agreed to work with Dr. Luke because they said that if she didn't, they wouldn't put out the album, which I'm like, yeah. damn, that's rough. But she had them make a lot of changes to the song. <laughs> I was reading an article. Originally, the song had references to weed and she made them, uh, ma- she made them change the lyrics. She was like, yeah, there was, there was some lyric that said, I saw you smoking pot and I thought that was cool. And she's like, you need to change that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that would fit in the song, but I just thought that was really funny no. to mention. I'm just trying to think of Kelly singing that lyric night after night. I'm just like, oh, not weird. for the soccer moms. Um, this was does a, not hit the ear right. No, this was a fun music video. So it was um, directed by Wayne Isham. 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 He's done. He's done other stuff for Kelly. I think. Right? Did he do Love yes. So Soft? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Um, it's fun. You know, it's about a couple. They're in like their apartment and they're just doing a bunch of shenanigans and, you know, kind of pranking each other at s- sort of or just doing random stuff in the apartment, chasing each other around. It's cute. The league guy's really hot, you know, whatever. And then yeah. at the end, they're like driving in a Jeep together. Um, I think we go into a little more in depth than on this in our music video episode. Kate yep. from Jill and Kate is the um, is Kelly's extra in the car scene. It's her, it's her stunt double. Stunt double, yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant. Um, 
And yeah, it's just a cute little fun video. And I think even though it's not a ton happens in it, I think it was a really good video for the song. So good job. Yeah, the 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 deluxe edition of the album includes a making of the video and the actual video itself uh, on a DVD. So you can enjoy that at your leisure. Yes. All right. We ready to move on? Yes, we are. All right, the next song on All I Ever Wanted is I Do Not Hook Up, and this is the first of two songs on the album that were co-written by Katy Perry, and I, this was the second single, by the way, from the album, and I go through weird phases with this song. Me too. There are times when I just absolutely loathe this song, but there are more times when I'm just like, oh, I just love this song. I'm in the you know? same exact boat. Sometimes I cringe and sometimes I'm just like, let's crank this up right now. <laughs> I think that, it, you know, it, I don't want to speak for all fans, but I think if you were to give a, a, a poll to Kelly fans to just list off singles from Kelly, this might be the most forgettable single that she's put out. And I don't mean that in the way of like, oh, it was so bad. We just forget about it. It's, I feel like people forget sometimes that this was a single. I agree. Because I think it was so overshadowed by the singles that were around it that it wasn't like the greatest of a bridge single where, you know, like, you know, when you have, and you can't compare this album to Breakaway, but, you know, with Breakaway, you had great song after great song after great song get released. On this album, you get My Life Would Suck Without You as the first single, and then you go to I Do Not Hook Up, and then that gets followed by Already Gone, which is a massive hit for her. So I don't, I Do Not Hook Up sort of gets overshadowed by these two huge, huge singles that surrounded it that you forget that it was this like sassy, cute, punky little song that is actually not bad. Yeah, it had a lot of awesome people behind it, aside from Katy Perry as well. So it had so it was written by Katy, Cara Diaguardi, who's worked with Kelly a bunch, especially on she wrote uh, she worked on Heartbeat Song and a bunch of stuff on Piece by Piece, and I think she, not sorry, a bunch of things on Breakaway and yep. My December. I think she worked on one or two songs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's. Great. I don't think I don't know if any of Kara's stuff got released officially on. My December. I could be making that up. And then she. I'm gonna need to go back and listen to our own episode. <laughs> it's been a while, guys. Um, <laughs> Look, we 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 like research this information and then we purge it from our minds. Yes. There's just there's too much to keep in there. That was literally me all throughout school. So anyway. <laughs> um, and then also it was also written by this guy named Greg Wells, who's written for a couple of like small artists, including um, Elton John, Adele, and Celine Dion. <laughs> small just little. Just a couple of like small artists. Small indie artists. <laughs> um, yeah. It was produced. <laughs> Um, by Howard Benson, who's who actually works a bunch on this album. And it was interesting. Howard yeah. Benson, he has a really large roster, but he's like a rock guy. Like he's worked with Mike, Mike Chemical Romance, POD, all American rejects. So like he brought a lot of that rock influence, you can tell, yeah. onto the song. And that's I think sonically, I love it. And one thing I do love about this and about Long Shot, and I think there's one or two other songs, and then Cry as well. She, I love how much she enunciates and she really just says the words super clearly. I know I don't, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird thing, but you don't hear that often in music and she really says every word and I love that. Interesting. I don't know. Go back and listen. I like that Maybe, perspective. I think it, 
a lot of it might be a Katy Perry thing, the way that Katy writes. That may also be yeah. a thing. I'm not really sure. I don't. I don't. I don't know that much Katy Perry music, but at least coincidentally on this album, she just enunciates very thoroughly. So I don't know. I really liked it. So not only the fact that it was written by Katy Perry, it was actually intended to be released by Katy. Uh, she wrote this with the intention of putting it on an album that was supposed to come out prior to her breakthrough album, which was one of the boys that had, you know, I kissed a girl and all that on it. Um, but the album that this song was intended for ended up getting scrapped, but she was under the RCA umbrella. And so the song was owned by the label. They end up giving this and uh, long shot to Kelly to put on to this album. And Kelly ends up recording a pretty decent version of it. I know that the, even though the Katy Perry album never materialized, I know that Katy ultimately recorded this song because you can go on YouTube and find Katy Perry's version of it, which is decent. Yeah, it's it's called Hook Up. It's not I Do Not Hook Up. It's called Hook Up. And I've definitely mentioned this before. Best line in the song, Kelly changes because she's wholesome. It's instead of the keep your heart, what is uh, the heart on your sleeve? It's, it's instead it's keep your, uh, keep your thing in your pants. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I would have loved that, but it's fine. I get it. To keep, as Kelly would say, to keep a family. But yeah, so Kate, yes. Katie's version is on um, is on YouTube. It's definitely like a. It's not fully done. It's definitely like yeah. demo or you know a few steps above demo, but it's pretty good. Uh, this is another uh, fun video. It's actually probably one of my favorite, yes. most fun Kelly videos. So and again, we talked about this in our music video episode where it's just Kelly being super sassy and climbing across tables to make out with waiters and dancing on the bar with her girlfriends and then falling off. It's like a fantasy um, in her mind. A yeah. Lot of this stuff. I'm finding that Kelly needed stunt doubles for a lot of the videos on this particular <laughs> album. Yes. <laughs> um, it was directed by Brian Barber, who I think did The Trouble with Love Is, if I'm not mistaken. I'll take your word for it. It's a fun video. Yeah, she dances on the bar, she falls off, and it's just Kelly acting drunk. It's, it's a great video. Yeah, she just is... She's doing all these like fantasy things, and uh, it's the comedic video from her that I've always wanted, and we got yeah. it. Uh, as far as the the chart performance, I mean, the song was an okay hit. It was a top twenty hit, and when I say it was a top twenty, I mean that it peaked at number twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always love when artists or, or labels are trying to like tell you how great a song is. This was a top four hit. I'm like, so you're saying it got to number four? Just say that. Um, yeah, exactly. Just say it got to number it's four. It's like when uh, it's like when when people say their child, like my child's twenty six months. Just say your child's like about two. <laughs> your kid is two. Yeah. Uh, but either way, so it was a it was a moderate hit for Kelly. Um, I got to say though, you know, and, and no shade to my December, but I mean, I do not hook up would have been the biggest hit on that album if it were on my December. We'll just say that. Uh, either way, though, again, it was so overshadowed by the singles around it that it just didn't, you know, do any great things. Uh, again, it's a good song. It's a cute song. I know there is a, a faction of Kelly fans that really hate on Katy Perry penned songs for Kelly. You know, there's a there's a lot of shade for this and for Longshot as well, and we'll get to that when we get to that song. But um, I I don't think that this is a bad song. I think it's a lot of fun. It was fun to hear it in concert. She doesn't really play it anymore. Uh, I think we've probably seen the last of this song when it comes to live performances, unless you know she goes out on a greatest hits slash you know only singles released <laughs> tour. Um, 
So, I mean, I mean, it's still a fun song, and it's a great second song right after I Do Not Hook, or excuse me, after uh, My Life Would Suck Without You. It's a good one-two punch to start the record. So the next song on the album is Cry. Um, this was written by Kelly, Jason Halbert, and someone named Mark Lee Townsend, who it was a producer for the band Reliant K, which I'm going to actually get into them a little bit later in the episode. Um, and mm-hmm. Mark was also a guitarist for DC Talk, who is a band that Jason used to work with before yes. he worked with Kelly, which I thought was interesting. I didn't realize that until I was doing my research on this. So now we know the him and Jason connection. Now we know why he was brought into the fold. Yeah. This was also produced by Howard Benson, as was I Do Not Hook Up. And as I said, Howard is definitely more of a rock guy. And this cry is obviously not a rock song. It's definitely like a big, powerful, powerful ballad. But I think he did a killer job. Um I this was a song that like I liked when it was out and it's some it's a song that has actually grown on me a lot more in the last few months. I don't know why. Not for any particular reason. I just think it's um vocally it's it was very it's a very strong vocal. Um it's a little schmaltzy, but I think it it's not corny. And mm-hmm. I think just like I mentioned with I Do Not Hook Up and Longshot, she enunciates very well and her vocals are just very clear in this song. Yeah, this song I remember being a, an early favorite of mine from the album just because I think that the vocal on this song is really, really good. Uh, you know, she hits some crazy notes and she really she stretches the notes on this song and it's just a very good performance altogether. Um, I remember it was a it was a standout performance when she did it on the All I Ever Wanted tour and I loved seeing it. In fact, I think when when I went to my show, I took video of like maybe two or three songs and this was one of them because I really wanted the live version of this song because I wanted to see this song performed live to see if she could hold up to what the album was and it was even better, of course. Uh, this song also got covered on Glee uh, by Leah Michelle, everyone's favorite cast member of Glee. <laughs> So this was technically the fifth of five singles from the album. However, it was not officially released in the U.S. as a single. It was released overseas. So this is not considered by U.S. standards to be a single from the album. Now, could it have been? Mm, Probably not. I think that Already Gone is the standout ballad from the album. And I don't know if, if there was room for another really great ballad. But nonetheless, uh, it is definitely a a great song. Um, Kelly said that it was a song a bit about a friendship that went bad and a little bit about betrayal. So when you say things like that, people start to fill in the blanks and make assumptions. We don't know any one particular person that this might be about, but there's assumptions out there. Yeah. And she said that even though it was about a friendship, she kind of wrote it in more of a uh, breakup kind of format um yeah but yeah so this was yeah this was only released in germany and australia and kelly actually wanted this to be the third single but they didn't use it and we now know they used already gone i mean i'm gonna be the you know the bad cop here i thought this would have been a much be- better single than already gone we'll get on more on that wow. later yeah i'm not the biggest fan of already gone i'm really not um i think that this song when it comes to the choruses I like the chorus of Cry more than I do Already Gone, but I think as a whole, Already Gone is a stronger ballad than this particular song. But I just, I mean, the the, the the chorus of Cry is just so strong and it's so big that 
you know, it gets me every single time. And it's like one of those songs that you would love to just belt out in your car. Uh, it just has those those really singable, relatable lyrics. And so, yeah, I, I prefer the chorus over Already Gone, but I do agree that, or at least I shouldn't say with you, um, I do agree that Already Gone is a better ballad for this record. Interesting. We will agree to disagree. <laughs> yes. Um, are you ready for the next song? I'm ready for the next song. Let's go. All right. The next song is Don't Let Me Stop You. It was written by Claude Kelly, um, Andreas Rondhan, and Yosef LaRossi. I hope I said those names right. Um, Andreas and... Is it Joseph? Yosef? I don't know. They're actually say probably, probably Yosef. Yosef. They're part of a production team in Sweden. And as we know, Sweden cranks out all these hit these hits. Um, they all they worked for like Diana Ross and like the Pussycat Dolls. So and this was also again produced by Howard Benson. I don't really have any other notes on this, but I just think um I think it's a very solid pop rock song, but I think it's definitely an album track. Yeah, I agree. This this is the most my December sounding song on this whole album. And I, I don't mean to say that in a negative way, but if I were to take any song off of this album and put it on another one, it would be my December. And there's no other candidates. It just has that like, uh, how do I want to say this? Like muffled, muted guitar sound. It's just kind of a, it's kind of a generic guitar sound. Uh, there's nothing that really stands out about it. I like the chorus. I think, again, this this whole record itself has really big choruses, which I love. But this song just and I don't like I don't like using this term when it comes to Kelly songs, but it just sounds like a very generic pop song. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot about it that's super memorable. And I don't know what the methodology was for how the tracks were laid out on this album i don't but if they wanted to put the strongest songs up front i don't think i would have put this song up there i would have probably traded it with a couple of different ones uh, but either way you know it's a it's just a, a means to an end to get to the next song on the album for me honestly i mean again it's not my least favorite song on the album but it's it's not one that i will often stick with when it comes up uh, on shuffle i agree Track number five, All I Ever Wanted, the title track from the album. Um, this was a yes. this was actually a cover from this band called Aranda. Um, I believe that the song was at least out on YouTube already before Kelly's version was out, so people were able to mm-hmm. kind of get a taste as to what the song sounded like. It's going to be the same thing with Why You Want to Bring Me Down. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, but it was written by the band Aranda, Sam Waters, um, who has worked with Kelly before, and Lewis, oh God, I'm going to butcher this name. Beyond, <laughs> do you have it written down? Yeah. Uh, you, you just want to hear me butcher it? Okay. I sure do. You do. Know, do you know how it's said? I, I do. Oh, damn it. Okay. <laughs> what is it like beyond, beyond, can. Lewis, Lewis uh, it's either Lewis or Luis uh, Bianca Nilo. Sure. Who worked on the Bodyguard soundtrack, <laughs> very casual. Um, uh-huh. But they're, yeah, so uh, they're part of a team, uh, Sam and Louis. They're part of the production team, the Runaways. I don't know if they still exist, but that also included Ryan Tedder. So. Yes, and uh, if you have been paying close attention to our album breakdown episodes, you know that we brought this name up before 
because this is the writing team behind the song Anytime from from Justin to Kelly and from the Thankful album. That was the first time that we mentioned them, and they are back for some more uh, and a lot more helpings on this particular album. Yeah. So this was technically the f- I'm a- Jeremy can get into it a little bit more. This was technically the fourth single, but it didn't get mm-hmm. a ton of airplay. I did hear it on Z100 in New York once or twice, and I was very excited. But it didn't really do much. Can you elaborate on that yeah. a bit more? Well, I mean, it depends on who you ask because technically I think Already Gone was the third single. This was a fourth, uh, I think. But right? Fourth, yeah. yes. Yeah, Already uh, – all I ever wanted was the fourth single. But I think that by the time this song came out, which was about a year after the album had dropped – the the album had sort of run its course. People, you know, were familiar with it. You weren't really going to get the get a spike from a new single on the radio anymore because the people who wanted the album had bought the album, and so this um, this was uh, sort of I don't want to say a forgotten single, but it was just I don't, and I don't even want to call it a throwaway single, but it was just sort of a it was a there single. I I really actually don't know why. They released it other than the fact that, yes, it's a good song. It's single worthy. But I think that, again, when you have massive songs like Already Gone and My Life Would Suck Without You on this album that were huge hits that had staying power, it's hard to be that next single. I mean, there was six, seven months in between the release of Already Gone to the release of All I Ever Wanted. That is an eternity when it comes to promoting an album and doing singles. That's why I'm a little, you know, sort of inquisitive about why they released it as a single because they, I mean, they bled already gone for everything they could get out of it. And so I'm not really sure why they decided to go out and put this out because usually when it comes to the average album, the life of the album is about a year before you know, they move on and they stop releasing singles and they just sort of let the touring take care of the rest of the promotion. And that's that. Yeah. So technically it did debut on the Billboard Hot 100 at number 99 and it peaked at 96. So, you know, it, it jumped a couple spots, but it didn't really do do too, uh, do too much. Um, yeah. I really enjoy this song, but mm-hmm. I have heard some people who get kind of bored by it or don't like it. And I think it's um, it's a little... I don't want to say funky. I don't think funk is the right word, but it has a lot of soul in this. It has a lot of soul, which is not different from like the soul of like meaning of life. It's more like the soul rock, which Callie doesn't ever do. So I think it was definitely a little bit a different vibe than what fans were expecting. And it's not necessarily like there are a couple tracks on this album that I think aren't completely out of Kelly's realm, but they're not the kinds of genres that the general kelly clarkson fan base would listen to yeah i mean obviously she thought well enough of this song to open the tour with this song uh they did kind of a cool thing where when the when the curtain went up everybody was sort of frozen in place and they were all sort of saying the you know all i ever want like over and over and over again and then there was just sort of this build up and then all of a sudden the lights flash, everything comes on, the band goes full volume, and Kelly's in the middle of the stage, and she breaks right into the chorus of the song. Uh, it, it was a great opening 
uh, to a tour. And so obviously, again, she thought well enough of it to start a show with it. And, you know, yeah, I, this is another one of those songs where it sort of falls off my radar. But then I remember, oh, yeah, this is actually a really, really good song. But the funny thing is, is that I never think of it as a cover. I just always think of it. This is Kelly's song. You know, she named her record after it. It is her song. But at the end of the day, it's still a cover. Yeah. And my point earlier about the not the type of music that a lot of Kelly fans listen to. There's another track on this album we're going to get into a little bit later that really I stand by. Um, But again, not so much that it's like super out of the question because obviously it's still kelly like you know we all like her stuff but i'm kind of rambling but whatever should we go on to the next song (laughs) it'll make sense in it'll make sense in a couple songs what i'm actually getting at um already gone (laughs) oh there's so many comments about this song (laughs) so much drama lots to talk about yeah Uh, already gone was the third single released off of all i ever wanted and it was written by uh, the devil incarnate himself, Ryan Tedder. (laughs) And he was so kind to then go ahead and play all the instruments and everything else on the uh, song. Uh, It was also written by Kelly as well. And, you know, this is obviously the the big ballad of the entire album. Um, Look, it's a good song. It's It's a great song, even. And it's also... It's also the cousin of Halo. I mean, let's just go ahead and, you know, cousin, talk about sister, the in the room. I don't know, sister maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Kelly accused Ryan of, you know, reusing the musical arrangement from Halo. He denied it. How can you deny it? It's blatantly obvious. <laughs> it is so and, obvious. Yeah. Kelly was annoyed that, you know, RSA didn't, didn't really, you know, do anything to prevent the song from getting removed from the track listing because by the time she was arguing about it it was already getting printed and by that point it's like yep. a little too late which you know it um at one point before the song came out ryan did say that he actually liked it better than halo and i'm like are you just sucking up to kelly you know i, I don't know maybe <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe he really did like it better than halo yeah and you know kelly did not only did kelly not want it on the album she didn't want it as a single and you know i think this is I I didn't know a lot about this during the time when this was all going on and she still went out like a trooper and she performed this song every night and it did pretty well. I mean, it's the second most successful single on the album, although I think it had longer staying power than my life would suck without you just because it got to live a longer life on different formats of radio uh, because of the the ballad nature of the song, it was a, a song that could go to adult contemporary radio. And adult contemporary radio is usually, I don't want to say it's behind the times when it comes to pop radio. They just get songs later, you know. Pop radio usually is the first one to get it. And then after that, it's hot AC radio, like right after pop. And then usually a little while later, it's adult contemporary radio. Because adult contemporary radio, which would be your... Stations that you would find Celine Dion, Phil Collins, Michael Buble, you know, I don't want to go so far as to say soft rock, but they are a little more softer stations. Adult contemporary radio doesn't break new songs. They rely on songs that are already familiar with people. And so they got the song and and latched onto it later after pop radio had sort of had its way with it. Am I making this up for did Kelly once say something about like her music, you know, her music is the kind of like this kind of song 
is what would get played at like the dentist office. That's kind of like what your adult contemporary kind of music is. It's like you're in the waiting room. It's at the dentist. Yes. <laughs> yes. Adult contemporary radio is the music you hear in your dentist's office. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have a cool dentist yeah. and you're hearing, you know, more contemporary stuff. Uh, that's what you're going to get with this. I love it. So not only was there Ryan Tedder drama, you know, with, you know, sort of the plagiarizing, there was also music video drama. And to this day, it's not super, super, super clear what had happened, but the video was directed by Joseph Kahn, who also did Walk Away and Hazel Eyes. And mm-hmm. the video is like, you know, Kelly, she's wearing like a, like kind of a, like a really, I don't know if it's a ball gown, or like a not really, just a really nice, like a really fancy dress. And she's walking around this beautiful apartment and there's musical instruments just playing and there's not a huge plot to it. And Joseph was really upset with how the video came out because they ended up cutting it. The The audio they use is like the single version. So they, they cut the track like with like a minute or so left. Yeah. And they didn't actually include the end of the video. And I I don't know if this is a rumor or Joseph has said it himself. Apparently, Kelly was supposed to like die at the end. Oh, jeez. I remember that. <laughs> if someone knows what I'm talking about, please back me up because I don't think I'm making this up. But like I think RCA cut it because they thought it was too dark. So there's no real plot to the video. It's just her walking around and like, it's fine. It's aesthetically pretty, but it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's one of the more boring videos. There's there's not a lot to, to take home from it, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I was reading, I think I even read on Wikipedia that Kelly actually preferred Cry over All I Ever Wanted or excuse me, over uh, Already Gone as the single. Yeah, I'd said that before and I'm like, Kelly, yeah, I feel you on that. And I wonder, it's yeah. probably, I don't know if it's just because of the sort of plagiarizing. I don't know. Or she just likes it better. And also, I think it's the the Ryan Tedder of it all from this song, which is why later down the road, we get the infamous demo, Wash, Rinse, Repeat. Oh, I love it. <laughs> this, this is the song, and and Kelly working with Ryan on this song is the is the inspiration for why we get that song later on. And, you know, of course, that nothing ever came of that song other than just being a demo that got leaked out, but still makes us laugh because, that's, I mean, it's what everybody thinks of when they hear that song. All right, we ready to move on to the next tune or you got some more on Already Gone? No, I'm ready for the next one because it's one of my favorites. All right, go for it. If I Can't Have You should have been a single. I, oh. can't, I can't state that enough. Just saying. Um, I think this would have done killer on radio. Just saying. Um, mm-hmm. written by Kelly and Ryan Tedder, produced by Ryan and Greg Ag- Agam. I didn't. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, <laughs> Kelly explained the song when it came out or before it came out as a as a twi- as a combination of Eurythmics meets the Killers. I can kind of mm-hmm. see it. I can kind of see that a little bit. Um, yeah. it's a fun dance track. It's, it's great lyrics, very clever lyrics, and it just makes you want to just get up and just start like, I, don't know, I was going to say fist pumping because that was 2009 and that's what people did in 2009 was fist pump. Um, yeah, a lot, there were a lot of comparisons to a Miley Cyrus song called Fly on the Wall. A lot of people thought that it sounded a little too similar to it. I believe that song was also produced by Ryan. It was so that makes a lot yep. of sense because he's just taking every you know he took be- you took know, the Beyonce idea he took the Miley Cyrus idea <laughs> I'm just I'm not made this is not opinion this is fact um, it did chart um, sort of 
It was on a, it was on a Billboard chart. It's not on the one you're thinking of. It was number 18 on the bubbling under Hot 100 singles, and that was because oh, yes. I believe it was a it was available. Um, I think on iTunes before the album came out. So like there was a lot of buzz behind that, and it's also just a really good song. Yeah, this is uh, the most danceable song, I think, on the entire album, which I, I love that it's so very different than pretty much everything else, really. Yeah. Um, I always loved when she would do this song live because in that portion after the bridge and it sort of kicked back into the chorus, she would give out a big whoop. <laughs> I love that part. Uh, I, and yeah, it was always a really, really fun song to see live. Uh, this is another one that sort of it just it screams all I ever wanted to me. You know, this is, you know, a classic song from this album. I think that, you know, it's it's great because it was it's I mean, it's an album track in that it wasn't officially released, but it is a song that I think a lot of fans really love. But unfortunately, I think we've also much like some of the other songs on this album, we've seen the last of it as far as being performed live. Just a bummer because this this is one that she could always bring back because I don't think aside from Ryan being a part of it I don't think there's much like emotional attachment to the song so I'm yeah. like you can bring it back please mm-hmm. part of this was recorded at the Hong Kong airport if I ever talk to like, maybe <laughs> Kelly or me Jason again even though he may have no memory of this I just want to know like why and how like were they waiting for their plane and where they recorded it in the little like little like the little seating area did they do it at the applebees in the airport like i have a lot of comments on this i don't know like in the uh the the united club or whatever <laughs> i have a lot of drinks. questions yes exactly like was it in like the hudson booksellers like i i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm very curious yes kelly knelt down by the pretzels and just dropped a couple <laughs> of bars <laughs> uh, hey you know what Anything's possible. All right. The number eight song on the album is Save You. This is another Ryan Tedder classic. Uh, It was also uh, written by Amy Pearl. Pearl, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Uh, And then Ryan was also the producer on this song. This one goes back and forth for me as being a skip on the album. It's a very slow song. It's. I like that it has a big kind of crescendo at the end. I do like how the song builds, but it's one of those songs that I have to be in the right mood to listen to it. Is that weird? No, I get it. It's funny. When this when the album first dropped, we're talking 11, 12 years ago, this was my favorite song for a minute, and I don't really know why. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not anymore. I can tell you that, but it's not a bad song. Um, the bridge was actually based – inspired by Mozart, which I thought was interesting. I read, hmm. I read up on that. I think I really like the song and I think I really like the bridge, but I think it wasn't, pro- they weren't produced well together because they almost feel like two different songs, especially after the bridge. And then it gets back into that final chorus. I do love how much it builds up, but it just didn't flow right. And it just feels no. like it, it just feels like two songs put together and it didn't mesh up well. And that's my problem with the song. Okay. No, I can I don't know. I can respect that. Yeah. And I will say there was a I guess the drums, Ryan brought one of his bandmates, Eddie Fisher, to do drums on the song. I will say the drums are one of my favorite parts of the song. They're very prevalent in the in the track. 
The thing I do like about the song, and that is one of the writers on the song had actually written this for a friend of hers who had lost her mother, and she wrote it as an apology because she wasn't able to be around for that friend after she lost her mom. And after I read that, I went back and I re-listened to the song, and it kind of gave it a new meaning to me a little bit. I kind of was seeing the song from a different perspective. And so if you if you look at it from that right, then it might actually change how you feel about the song. I'm I'm saying this is one of those songs where, you know, give it another chance if you haven't listened to it in a long time, because it I feel like it's going to be one of those songs for people that depending on your life experience, it might ultimately end up meaning something different later on. And that is actually the mark of a really, really good song is that you may not need that song in the moment that you're in when you first hear it, but you could come back and need that song later on in your life. Um, and, and so it was, it was interesting to go back and listen to it with different ears after knowing sort of the backstory of why that song was written. And I, I sort of am kind of pushing this in my upper echelon of songs from this particular album now. I, I mean, it's not my favorite ballad. Um, you know, it's still, you know, it's got, again, great crescendo, but I love that I kind of know a little bit more about the behind the scenes of the song than I did before. And I, I, I appreciate it a little bit more. 100%. And I, yeah, I 100% agree with that. And, you know, from personal experience, I can vouch for that. Um, sure. Yeah. So totally. Um, do you have anything else to add to that? No, I think we uh, we need to go on to our next song because I feel like we're going to have some conversation about this one. Yes. So my comment earlier where I said that um, there's some songs on this album that I think aren't necessarily the genres that a lot of Kelly fans listen to. This is really what I was getting at. Why you want to yeah. bring me down. Um, people either love it or despise it. There's really no in between. Maybe there's a little yeah. in between. But like... Some people think it's the most garbage song ever, and they're just like, what the hell is this? And then there are people who are like, I want more of it. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a very unique style. Um, so this was written by Sam Waters and Louie and, from earlier and um, Aranda. This is a Aranda cover. Is this, is this, by the way, is that what we're calling him? Louie from earlier? <laughs> Bianca yes, because I'm not going to say his name. His last name. Um, yes, this is another cover that fans heard on YouTube by Aranda before Kelly's version came out. Um, as it's no secret, I'm a big rock person. I love it. This mm -hmm. is definitely more like a little punkish um, rock, a little punkish. Um, I love this song. I think it is so much fun. And it is unlike anything she has ever done previously, and she has not done anything like it since. What are yeah. your thoughts on this song? Um, I know you said at the beginning that, you know, people either love it or hate it. Um, I don't hate the song because, first and foremost, a bad Kelly Clarkson song is a pretty good song for just about anybody else. So I don't hate it, but I also just, I don't, I don't like it. Um, it's, I'm glad that she did it. I'm glad that she tried it. It sounds like it sounds like if she had her all of her faculties at like the metal school show, this is what she would have got up and sang. Oh, that's great. <laughs> you know, she, she'd I be like, all right, guys, just follow me. We're going to do a little punk rock right now. Um, do you guys know Arnada? So, yeah, I don't know. It, 
This song confused the hell out of me when I first. So you're one of the people who are leaning more towards no. Yeah, I I just was like, I mean the 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 title of the song has my question in it. Why? (laughs) Okay, the the spelling of the title is the one thing I don't like. It's just it's all one word. I'm like, what's going on here? But. I don't know. I, I'm i also getting way more – this is very off topic. I'm getting more into the early 90s, like, girl riot, like, the riot girl kind of yeah. kind of thing. And while this is a lot more poppy than that, I see a lot of influence from, like, like the early stuff. Like, uh, I'm, this isn't really, like, like, Sleater Kenny or, like, Bikini Kill, like, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. This is a way more – this is way more pop, obviously, but I'm getting a lot of influences from that, and I – I don't know. I think it's so much fun, and I would love to just be in like a club and just like headbang to this. Kelly Clarkson doing punk rock just is not for me. Do um, it, yes. No, Sign me up. I, I mean, it, there was just. I mean, there's the part where where she screams out "somebody," and then they go into like this like really <laughs> cheesy <laughs> guitar. Oh, it's like it's a cheesy, cheesy guitar. So, oh, it's just Jeremy. it's not it's just not for me. Um. I mean, All yes. Right. This so we is, have team I mean, pro and team con. <laughs> Let us know which you are. Yeah. What, what are you pro? Why you want to bring me down? Or are you anti? Why you want to bring me down? <laughs> you know, this is. You know, you said earlier that there's only a couple of skips on this record. I actually thought that this was going to be yours, but I should have known better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is this is my skip. I mean, this is this is one of two skips that I have, and this is not even the song that I consider to be my least favorite in the catalog. So. Um, you know, every once in a while, yes, I'll listen to it and I kind of give it a sly smile like, oh, Kelly, you and your <laughs> punk rock phase that you went through for one song. And I think that's why it bugs me, especially, you know, now looking at it from 13 years later, is that she never did another song like this. She never tried to go back to the pop punk well. You know, it was like this one and done kind of a thing. And maybe it was because of the reception of the song. I don't know. Maybe we'll um, get a punk rock Christmas song. Oh, good grief. <laughs> In my how dreams. dare you put that? How dare you put that out into the ether? Oh, come now on. Gonna, that would be fun. Now it's going to happen and we're all going to be worse <laughs> off for it. And I'm going to be like, let's go. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm the worst. So, the yeah. So, yet, yet another cover. Uh, on the uh, All I Ever Wanted album. I, eh, meh. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next song. Um, let's do that. The next song is Long Shot. This was the other Katy Perry cover. You can hear her version on YouTube. It was written by mm-hmm. Katy Perry, Glenn Ballard, who has worked on a couple of albums you may have heard of, uh, including Thriller and Jagged Little Pill. You may have heard of them. Um, never heard of them. Never? Um, well, you're missing out. They're <laughs> never. pretty good. They're pretty oh, good. They're pretty good. Yeah. Check um, them out. It was also written by this guy named Matt Thiessen, who um, dated Katy Perry from 2003 to 2005. And Matt Thiessen was the lead singer of the band Reliant K, who I mentioned earlier in the show. Oh. Reliant K, for those who don't know, Christian rock band. I don't know if they're still together, but they were really popular in the mid-2000s. They had a little bit of um, commercial success. They were on TRL around the same time during the breakaway era. They're really good. Um, I was not a big Reliant K fan. I did not know that they were a Christian band. They are, yeah. I like. Uh, oh. I know like two or three songs by them. Um, they were like, yeah, they're like sort of little like the little emo ish kind of 
that little phase in the mid 2000s, um, which I still live in, essentially. So, yeah, I like them a lot. Um, yeah, I, this is also produced by Howard Benson. And um, I, I love this song. I think it's fun. I do too. This is a song that is very divisive amongst Kelly fans. Again, I think it's because of the whole Katy Perry of it all, but I absolutely love this song. I think that it did not get the life that it really could have had. This is not my pick for should have been a single, but it is a strong number two on that list. Um, there's just something, I mean, the chorus is so big. Like this is one of those songs on like that first warm day of spring, maybe even summer, and you can roll your windows down in your car and you're bombing down the freeway and you crank this tune up, yes. Like that is what this song does for me. I love every part of this song. I especially love, like I said before, the chorus is so big and it's well produced. And, you know, I... I am a Katy Perry fan, so maybe that's part of the reason why I like the song so much. But I really do think, and especially, you know, early in her career before I think she kind of petered out when it comes to, you know, writing really, really great pop songs. Um, I think that Katy Perry in the height of her career really could write some very, very good songs. And then you add Glenn Ballard into the mix, who is, I mean, legend when it comes to producing and writing. This is a really good team altogether, and I kind of would like to see Kelly work more with Glenn Ballard um, just because he does have a really, really good resume under him, and I would love to see what the two of them could create. Uh, but yeah, I am always on Team Longshot. I just have always really, really loved this song, and I will take no notes uh, as far as anyone else's complaints on this tune. <laughs> um, this actually played a little bit on Canadian radio and got... Um, so it did chart. It charted at number three on the Billboard Canadian Hot Adult Contemporary chart, even though it wasn't a single. So I love when that happens. It wasn't like officially yeah. released there, but they were like, you know what? We're going to, you know, test it out on some radio stations. And it did pretty well. Totally. So, yeah. So Still a great good. tune. Yeah. The next song is Jeremy's absolute favorite song. Um, it's called Impossible. And, um, Jeremy, why do you hate this so much? I'm just fascinated by this. This is it. This is my <laughs> least favorite song in Kelly's entire catalog. But why? And I, and I don't know why. There is just something very corny, cheesy, schmaltzy. And, and I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that Ryan Tedder was a writer on this song and also produced it. Because here's the thing. I like One Republic slash Ryan Tedder. I think he's a very talented writer. I think he's a very good producer. He's put out some excellent songs, both for himself and for other artists. This was not it. This was a big whiff. I just think it is the most generic song that Kelly has ever put out. And this, I mean, this song makes me angry when it comes on. And I don't like the feeling of being angry listening to Kelly's music. Wow. Like if I, cause I, I don't delete. I mean, I have any and all Kelly songs on my computer and on my phone and all that. This is the one song I have strongly considered deleting, like not having this song available at all. And there's a lot of bad, uh, demos and leaked tunes out there that we've also gotten. They're better than this. Like, 
you do a song battle between Impossible and Einstein. Einstein all day, baby. Like, honestly. Wow. I just, there is just something about this song. And, it, and I mean, it wasn't like a like a slow burn for me. It was, I listened to the record the first time through. I will never forget the first day I listened to this album because I was in my office at work. I had closed the door, cranked it up. Uh, my my person who lived next or lived who worked next in the on the office next to me actually had to call me in my office to tell me to turn the music down because this is about the point where we were at like if I can't have you save you why you want to bring me down it was my first real listen through the entire album and so I get to long shot and I'm just like I'm ready to like run through a wall for Kelly Clarkson after I'm hearing <laughs> that song I'm just like yes and then Impossible comes on and I'm just like the f- <laughs> you know i'm like what is what was that it, it just wow uh, you have I mean, a lot the, of I mean, feelings i do and i haven't been able to get these feelings out in a long time because i've had no one to tell because nobody understands this but you guys do do I they song. i don't know I really, I, I, i'm I, curious if I anyone else hates it <laughs> i don't i don't like to use the word hate very often I, I will say that i dislike something i'll say something's not for me i very rarely use the term hate and it's mostly just because I think it's just it's it's such an absolute it's it, there's no budging. You hate something. I hate the song and it is a skip every time in the research for this record. I didn't write a thing down about this song. I didn't listen to it. it as far as I'm concerned, this album has 13 songs on the standard version it does not have 14 i skip over impossible every time i love you kelly you are so dramatic i i i don't care i don't care you want to know my feelings these are my feelings and i'm getting them out and this has been repressed (laughs) since 2009 so you're getting everything that i've tucked deep down inside you're my shrink now pam get it you're my shrink uh great I, i hate this I hate this song. Is this a bad time for me to say I actually really like this song? I guess my thing. No, because here's the thing. I understand <laughs> that people like the song. I really do. It It's not me. It's not. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think it's like a little, <laughs> I was going to say a little empowering, but now I'm like afraid to say anything nice about it. it but it's it's so wimpy. It's so wimpy. There's like I can the, think of wimpier it, songs. Here's the thing, like, Cause there's like, there's big drums, there's big guitar in the song, but they feel like they like, they hit a ceiling. Like, cause there's a lot of songs where you can listen to and like, I mean, even go back to why you want to bring me down. Like the guitar is crunchy and it's got some edge to it. You can, you can feel the like sharp edge of the guitar in that song. Impossible has so many like rounded off edges and I, and I know this is getting a little existential but it just seems so neutered and like like just rounded off and it just annoys the snot out of me. I will say that like the first for anyone I don't know maybe who does like the song. The first part of the song, yes, I will admit is not the most like exciting part. I think the like gen- okay the part with like the bridge and like she has a really high note at the end. I really like like in the bridge. I really like that part. And then I like the her kind of background vocals in the final chorus. I think it adds a little bit more to it. I have yeah. a genuine question for you. Have uh, you listened to the song more than once? Of course. Oh, I don't because know. There's some t- yeah. No, I mean, I absolutely have because there are some times when I just put on music and I'm doing things around the house or whatever 
and this song will come up on shuffle. I I don't know why I have not deleted this song off of my music, but either way, it, it does. It just comes up and I will suffer through it. <laughs> I will just let it go and let it play, but I don't I don't pay it any mind. I don't give it the time of day and it I don't know if this I hate Kelly. I don't know if I hate any Kelly song as much as you hate Impossible. I'm thinking now, like, what would I go off of, like a tangent on? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what part of this whole thing is is our, our listener Rob going to uh, screen cap and play back for me on Twitter, like on Tuesday morning when the episode comes out, because I'm sure he's going to grab some portion of this rant and be like, "Dang, you need a hug, bro." Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just look. It, it, it's it's just not a good song for me i just i don't like it it makes me angry (laughs) (laughs) should we move on i i i don't want to not let you have you know your say i'm not that passionate about the song i kind of said the parts of the song i like i like Mm -hmm. the bridge a lot and i like the love the final chorus the other parts of the song i'm like yeah it's it's good i like it i won't skip it i usually will listen to it but I, I don't really – it's a very much a, a filler track for me, so I don't really have many comments. So I'm more than uh-huh. welcome to go to the next track. By the way, I, I, I wanted to look this up quick while I was ranting. Uh, she obviously doesn't think much of this song either because she only played it 24 times live. And of those 24 times, one, two, three, four times were in America. Whoa. And actually, it was probably one of the shows you were at because one of them was the Hammerstein show in New York in 2009. Oh, yeah. That's the show I left crying at. More on that some other time. <laughs> that was the worst <laughs> Kelly show of my life. Yeah. More on that some other time. Um, so, yeah, oh, yeah. So, I guess I did see it live. Okay. You go have figure. seen it live. Yeah. Go figure. But yeah. She's, yeah. Only four times in the U.S. did she ever perform it live. Everything else was the All I Ever Wanted uh, World Tour in 2010. Huh. Okay. Good to know. So obviously she knows she's well aware that it's, I mean, this is for me and I, and I'll, I'll say this last thing and then we can move on. This is for me, the definition of a Kelly Clarkson throwaway song. This was a, I, this is. That's how I feel track. about don't waste your time. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Have we already, have we discussed like what your least favorite song is? Is it don't I think my absolute least favorite song is Fading, which is like probably one of the most random songs. But right. But that was still like a bonus track, if nothing else. I mean, I'm talking like album fully released Ooh. song that everyone has access to. That I really don't like. Probably yeah. Standing in Front of You. I think I've listened to it maybe five times ever. Oh, uh, okay. I find it incredibly boring. Yeah, it's, it's that one. I mean, I like that song. It's not in my upper echelon of songs, but I get it. Yeah, there. Yeah, but there is just something about this song that just always triggers me. So there you go. There you go. The next song <laughs> on a much brighter brighter side. No. The next song is called "Ready." Um, this was written by Kelly, Jason Halbert, and Avon Eubanks. So we got hey! the band, we get the uh, band back together. Yes. Um, again, produced by Howard Benson, which I thought was very interesting. As I mentioned many times, he's a rock guy. Ready is the least rock song ever. It is very pop and fluffy and light. And 
it's funny. The beginning of the song almost kind of reminds me of just like a little like children's like lullaby. Just it's like very like poppy and happy. And yeah. And then you got this rock producer in it. And I'm like, I don't know what you did, but you still made it work really well. Yeah, it's a cute pop song. Again, this was one of the four songs that got leaked out early on. And this was the one where the fans get to sort of, and we've talked about this. I think it was, I think we talked about this in our leaks episode where we get to sort of wink at Kelly during the All I Ever Wanted tour when she would perform this song because um, this was the song where Kelly, like one of the lyrics is, and all of the shit. And Kelly obviously changed the lyrics for the release of the album. But for so many people who listened to that demo over and over and over again, we ingrained that one line into our minds. And so we would sing it back to her at shows. And there were a couple of shows because uh, I think I went to the most amount of shows on the All I Ever Wanted Tour. Well, I mean, Breakaway, but that was over multiple tours. Uh, but All I Ever Wanted Tour, I think I went to the most shows. And anytime she heard the crowd use that alternate line, she would give us this like wry smile, like you guys, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, cause I mean, she obviously heard that we were singing the alternate lyric and she knows, she knows what she did. <laughs> so yes, I, she uh, knows it got leaked. She, she didn't get angry. She know. And you know, Kelly wasn't mad at the fans because, you know, she knew the song leaked, you know, if she, she clearly, if she was annoyed, she wouldn't have smiled at you or winked or anything. And, you know, she knew it was out there, and clearly she knows the fans that heard the leaked songs are buying her albums. They're buying tickets to see her live. So, it's if anything, it's just really funny. Yeah, I think she even said, you know, she didn't like the fact that the songs got leaked, but she hoped that everybody liked them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like, at that point, what can you do? You know, the song is leaked out. It is what it is, and you move on. Yeah. I think it's a fun song. It's definitely um, – it's not one I go – ahead and listen to on my own very often but when i do hear it i'm like oh yeah this is fun this is nice you know what's weird for me is that i always equate this song with maybe from my december and i don't know why maybe it's because it's a it's a similar writing team um but there's something about those two songs i feel like they really like complement each other for some reason they always just it's like two tastes that taste really good together you know I like playing Maybe and Ready back to back. It's weird. I know. I don't know if that's something that <laughs> I've just so built in different. my head. I know. They're very different songs, but I feel like they're almost related in some way. So take that for what it is. But suffice to say, I I really like Ready. And it's, um, again, not my choice for should have been a single, but it would have been up there. I just know it wouldn't have done very well. But it's a cute song I, that I really enjoy writing. And I'm glad that I like a song so much. That was of a writing team that I really like. Yeah. All right. The next track is I Want You. Um, this was written by Kelly and Joachim Aland. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He wrote, uh, he worked with Sia, Charlie XCX, produced by Sam and Louie. Um, <laughs> Louie, his last name I won't say. Um, yeah. Uh, another song that I don't ever really go out of my way to listen to but when i do hear it i'm like this is fun um it was produced really fun like the vocals her are like a little um i don't want to say distorted it's just they have like a unique little uh, effect on them in this song and i loved this song live on tour because mm -hmm. she would split up the audience in half one side would take the 
I want you, you, you part. And then the other half would go the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Did I hear you say that you don't listen to this song? Not usually, no. Is that rare? Is that weird? <sighs> and no, I like it. I just, I don't know. How what? dare you? What? Should have been a single. No. <laughs> yes. No this is way. it. This is my song. Should have been a single. Uh, this is a filler is, for me. This is the cutest damn song. It is so catchy. It is so poppy. It is super memorable. I mean, the chorus with the I won't you you talk about an earworm, an absolute pop earworm. This is it. This is what you want from a pop song that's gonna stick in people's minds, is this song. It is so catchy. It is so memorable. And it's, I mean, it's so like cute and, you know, it has like, it's just, it's positive. It just, it's fun. It just feels like sunshine coming up your butt. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's like really fun, but I also think it's super vanilla. And I'm like, Oh, there. no, I love it. I just yeah. love this song. This song I'm makes like, me. There's, ha- another, there's, there's, a num- there's a reason why it's number 13 on the album. This song just makes me happy. It really does. Hey, I mean, look, I don't think that track like location should necessarily be a deterrent for this song just because it's, you know, near the end of the album. I think the album still finishes somewhat strong. I think Ready, I Want You, and If No One Will Listen, that's a decent ending to an album are we but, just gonna go on to the last track well no i just uh, one more oh. last thing on, on <laughs> i want you i just i think that this song would have been a cute single i think it would have been fun right after already gone i think they should have they should have released it actually earlier than they tried to do with all i ever wanted i just think it's like a happy song it really is it just it says bright smile sunshine like it's just it is a perfect example of what pop music is supposed to do and it's supposed to bring out feelings in you and it's supposed to be memorable and catchy and i think this song checks all the boxes and i will uh i will die on this hill that that song should have been a single go for it (laughs) (laughs) uh the last song (laughs) which which sounds like the sentiments of what everything i just said this song is if no one will listen (laughs) yeah um this is actually a cover of a song um, by someone named Carrie Noble. Mm-hmm. And this is actually produced by Kelly, which she had never done before. Yeah. Um, I'm going to admit, this is my always skip song. Always. Yeah. I, before listening to it for this episode, I don't know the last time I listened to it. It's mm-hmm. not, I don't dislike it. I just find it very boring. And I, I think it has a great message. Um, very great lyrical content. Um, and I do like the part in the bridge where it like, has the the drums, the da 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 that part. Um, I just kind of find it boring. And it's never a song I seek out if I want to listen to like an empowering ballad or a ballad that's going to make me feel all my feels. This is not it. Yeah, I get that. I understand that completely. Um, it is, I mean, it's the weakest ballad, I think, on the entire record. Um, because I don't speak of impossible. <laughs> so otherwise I would say, I would say it's better than impossible. Um, yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, nothing against, you know, the, the writing of the song or even the production of the song by Kelly. I just think that 
I like the lyrics. I would have liked to musically hear it go in a different direction. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it actually, with the lyrics that it has, I think it actually could have been a very big, sweeping ballad. But I think that it got pared back a little bit too much. And there are a couple of the lyrics that I'm just like, "Mm, it's a little cringe. But either way, um, I just think that it could have been a bigger, more bold song musically given the lyric content. But I mean, it is what it is. Um, It's yeah, it's not a song I, I seek out either. But when you put it with the rest of the album, I think it's still, you know, better than some other songs on other albums. And yeah, it, I wouldn't be too sad if like the last song that I heard on the album was I Want You. I'd, yeah, be, okay, I'd be okay skipping this one. Agreed. All right. So that is the uh, the ending of all the songs from the Kelly Clarkson fourth album, All I Ever Wanted. Uh, Pam, sort of your... Uh, your thoughts after going back through and listening to this album uh, for, for this particular episode. I still adore this album so much and don't understand a lot of the hate it gets. And even though there's some tracks that I, I don't love, I think as a whole um, second favorite album of hers for yeah. me, by far. Absolutely. What about you? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a fantastic pop album. I mean, every pop album has, Excellent songs. It has filler songs. It has some weak songs. But, you know, this this was a really big album for Kelly. And, and honestly, you know, for her career, she really did need to come back swinging for the fences after my December. Um, I know that Kelly doesn't care about all that kind of stuff. And I think this is around the time when she really stopped caring about all that kind of stuff. But also, I think this era in general was a really good one for her. Because it got her back on the radio with some consistency, and it also gave us one of the best groupings of tours probably in her history. I mean, I would say this and also the the Breakaway tours were really, really great. But the All I Ever Wanted tours gave us a really good fair tour that she did, and then she also had a regular arena tour, and then we also got the All I Ever Wanted pre-shows where we got a lot of unreleased material, a lot of covers, and it was just a really fun tour uh, as a whole. And, I mean, I think that has a little bit to do with Kelly's new management. I think that she was in a better place after sort of exercising her demons during the My December era. And even though she had her own battles with this album as well, I don't think that they nearly got to the level that she dealt with with My December. And so, and it really shows on this album too. She just sounds happier and she sounds like she's the Kelly that we all came to know and love. And, you know, it was, it was kind of onward and upward from here. I mean, we have another really big album coming out after this one. And I think that it was just a really good time to be a Kelly fan. This, you know, starting in 2009 up until about like, 2013 2014 yeah. a really really good five-year span to be a kelly clarkson fan and obviously um you know the next album that we're going to talk about is probably probably and i want to say probably i don't want to marry us to this yet is probably going to be stronger but also somewhere in between here we've got to talk about the smokestack sessions because that is another grouping of songs that were recorded around the stronger era i think what we'll probably do is we will talk about them both at the same time 
and just treat them kind of as one full collection. I know that's how Jason Halbert thinks of them. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't. I, I, he, I don't think he even realized that there were two of them. Yeah, I don't think he realized they got split up. So uh, we'll have to talk about those. So again, we also need to figure out if we're going to do anything, which we don't decide right now. Greatest hits, because yes, yeah, there. Because we did get a couple new songs from that, but we can, we'll figure it out. Eventually. We did, yeah. We'll we'll figure all that out. Uh, in the meantime, hey Pam, hey what? Should we do a silent giveaway like we were talking about uh, in last week's episode? Wow, what a great idea! You guys have made it all the way to the end of this particular episode. It's been a longer episode. We understand that, but the album breakdowns always tend to be a little bit longer. And so, since you have made it all the way through this episode, we are going to do a silent contest you're not going to see this anywhere on our social media we're not going to bring this up anywhere we're just going to bring it up here in the episode for you guys who are our faithful listeners we have an autographed copy of kelly clarkson's new album when christmas comes around and all you have to do is we're going to have you silently tweet or comment on instagram so either twitter or instagram we're not going to do it on facebook Twitter or Instagram, we want you to use the hashtag Hi Pam and Jeremy. Okay? You don't have to say, enter me in the contest or here's my entry. We just want you to post on either Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag Hi Pam and Jeremy. Like you're just saying hello to us. Are they tagging us? They can tag us if they want, yeah. But we're going to be watching for the hashtag. All right. All right. So this episode comes out on October 12th, and we're going to give you a week to do this. So between the days of October 12th and October 19th, uh, which will be a few days after the release of the new Christmas album, uh, if you will post Hi, Pam and Jeremy on either Instagram or Twitter, you can do it as many times as you want. But Tweet us, comment on our Instagram posts. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, We're going to keep track of everybody who does it, and we're going to select one person at random to get an autographed copy of the new Christmas record. So again, no purchase necessary. We are not affiliated with Kelly Clarkson or Atlantic Records, but (laughs) comments with the hashtag on either Instagram or Twitter, hashtag hi, Pam and Jeremy, and that is going to be your entry into possibly winning an autographed copy of Kelly Clarkson's new Christmas album when Christmas comes around. Woohoo! There you and go. Where, where can you find us? Well, you can find us everywhere at Miss Into Podcast. And if you want to email us, Miss Into Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we will see you guys next week. Bye. You've been listening to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Into Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to Miss Indie Podcast at gmail.com. 